We have been in James for several weeks. Some of you have been out of town or on, on your other place at, uh, you know, in winter time, but you're just kind of catching up a little bit. And we had a guest speaker last week, so we're, we missed, uh, uh, we just took a break from James. But we're on the fourth chapter, I believe we left off. James chapter 4, we got, I think we got down through verses 7 and 8 9, a little bit. That was our, our on the way out of that message. But we talked a little bit about the tongue in chapter 3. Of course, that's, that's always a powerful, challenging uh, word for the Lord. And we, when it comes to the tongue, our, uh, the Bible says in James that it's unruly. At the same time, we can destroy or we can build up with our tongue. So the scripture is, uh, a- absolutely nails it when it says no man can tame the tongue. But when God comes and touches the heart of the man, the tongue is changed. I read some interesting history some, somewhere or heard about it, but in old-time logging camps, there were a lot of men who used words that I will not repeat. And they're working with animals. What's somewhere through history, somewhere there was a uh, a move of God, and evangelists came to the camp, and a number of these men got saved, and they their language changed. But their horses and their animals didn't know how to respond to their new language, so they had to retrain their animals <laughs> how to behave to certain different words. I think that's just a great testimony of what the power of God can do inside of a person's heart. Now, really, the tongue is, stems out of the heart. And Jesus said, from out of the heart so the mouth speaketh. So we're, we're really dealing with heart issues when it comes to the tongue. But we really need, uh, I believe God can help us to have self-control. That scripture, the psalmist said, set a guard over my mouth. May we be quick to praise the Lord. May we be quick. Uh, it says, be quick to hear and James is slow to speak. It has to do with thinking before we speak. And weighing our words. So James 3 was a powerful lesson. He went on on the end of that chapter about, uh, he talked about the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And worldly wisdom really comes down to a, a self-centered, what's in it for me attitude. And never gratify. But a wisdom that comes from God is, we read the verses uh, 17. It's pure. It's, it's above. It, it's come from above. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It is without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what are we sowing in our community? What are we sowing in our families? We can sow words that will we'll reap good consequences or we can sow, sow seeds that could reap 
bad things to come. So we, we want to go on the, on the path that the Lord has set for us. So now we're getting into James 4, and we went down through a, a bit of the attitudes of our heart. It talked about there, it, we, we don't have because we don't ask. Uh, how many of you like me at times? You don't like to ask for help. You just got to do it yourself. And get, you know, you've got a project. You kind of. But the Lord wants us to ask him for help. The Lord wants us to ask him for wisdom. The Lord wants us to ask if you have a, you have a need, ask him. Now at the same time, he says, you don't ask, or you ask rather, he said in verse 3. You ask, but you don't, you don't receive it. Because you ask with wrong motives. So at the same time, you're saying you don't have because you don't have, but, but when you ask, you ask it for selfish reasons. That's what he's saying, with wrong motives. So God is always right there, isn't he? You know exactly where we're at in our attitude and our heart. I think that we are supposed to ask the Lord with the attitude of his own heart. And this is where we get a little bit maybe the cart before the horse, so to speak. If I'm seeking God, now I, I take this from Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. When you're delighting yourself in the Lord, you're seeking him. You're allowing him, what do you think, Lord? What is your, what's your direction? You're wanting his guidance. All of a sudden, you, when you, you, re, you come to realize, uh, if I'm seeking God, then I'm not so concerned about myself, so I'm not so concerned about selfish motives. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize my desires are coming from God's desire. What a way to live. And that's number one here this morning. A way to live. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, there is a way in which we ought to walk. There is a way in which we conduct ourselves. There is a way in which we think. There is a way in which we understand what is going on, to a degree at least. There are things that we'll never understand until we reach heaven because the secret things belong to God, that only the things he's revealed to us belong to us. So we, we, we went through part of those verses, the motivation, and then we get down a bit further. I'm not yet quite there, I don't think, on this verse. In verse 6, he gives greater grace. I understand it to a degree. I understand it this way. There is a grace that we are saved by. We are saved by grace. There is a grace that's saving. We absolutely, we, are, we don't earn our salvation. We accept it through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and resurrection. That is the grace that saves it. But now there's a grace, I think he's referring to a grace 
this is how we are able to go through the trials and the testings of our life here on earth. There is a greater grace. How many know some days you need greater grace? You might not do or say the right thing had not had it not been for the greater measure of grace. And so this greater grace has to do, it's in opposition to the proud. In other words, it comes down to, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I don't understand what's going on but I'm depending on you and I'm placing my faith and my trust in you and I'm going to walk by your word and I'm going to believe no matter what else happens, I'm going to continue to believe that God, you are, in, you are my Lord, you are my good shepherd, you are taking me, you are leading me in the paths that you have for me. You see, the devil is right here as well in this passage. We, we, we read the verse, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, folks, the devil doesn't like to give up. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to be in heaven. He will try to get you to turn your back on God if he can. He will try to get you to bow down just for a moment to his way. But here's the remedy. Here's, the, here's where your strength is. Submit, therefore, to God. Draw near to God. Devil cannot stand people who draw near to God. He backs off. Devil cannot stand when you choose to praise him and pray to a God in faith, believing. Devil has to leave. In the name of Jesus, we pray, because that is our covering, that is the authority, that is our relationship with him. You are a child of God. You have been sealed, and Ephesians says, with the Holy Spirit, that you are his, you are marked you are close to the Lord's heart today. You are on his heart today. The, Isaiah says he's written your name on his palm. He thinks about you. He has you in mind. He had you in mind when he, before he created the foundations. This is mind-blowing. Hard to wrap around. But before the foundations of the world were were established, God already had in plan that the Lord would come to give himself for our salvation. You have benefits. You have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Never underestimate the, the power of a person who's genuine and humble praying to the God who was able to do far beyond. And so we read these passages. The humility. I've been reminiscing of bits and pieces of uh, 
Billy Graham's, uh, you know, his homecoming and, and a lot of the uh, the pictures that I've, I've I just got a magazine that Billy Graham would often recognize. You know, the one one of my favorite pictures is he's talking to people that are cleaning up the bleachers and you know the janitors. He made it a point to reach out and notice them, which speaks very well of the humility of the man. God absolutely notices people who are servants, who chose to go the way of Christ. They would rather not be noticed by man, in fact. They would rather just go on and do their job and do their work and be satisfied because God is their security. God is their, their master. God is the one whom they're, they're working for. And that is the attitude of the heart that makes it so special to God. And when it comes to these next verses, draw near to God and draw, he will draw near to you. He's speaking uh, to people that sometimes we need to get along with God. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We can't be serving sort of like two masters. God wants all of your heart. Only God wants to be enthroned. Only God take the place of the throne of your heart. And so he says to be miserable, mourn, and weep. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to soul search, so to speak. There's a time to repent. There's a time to acknowledge the way that we get ourselves to the place where we ought to be is to acknowledge our sin. Acknowledge it. Simply confess, the Bible says, that he is faithful and just to forgive us. So number one, we talk about the way of life. What is the way of the life of a believer? The way of the life of a believer has benefits. At the same time, it has responsibilities. The Lord is willing to do many things. But God does have a will. He knows the plans that he has for us. The problem is my plans may not always line up with God's plan. And so I find myself thrown a bit. So then I, I drop back and I search and I seek. And I come to a place where the word we, we know as Surrender. That is a place where we can have freedom to surrender to God. It's in your hands, Lord. So now I'm willing to accept your will. Jesus was not looking forward to the cross. He knew the agony. He knew that. I think the heart, and just... I can't say, I cannot say I 
I know. I, I'm just searching. Was the Lord, he was praying if it was possible. It's a tough question. Would it have been possible any other way? doesn't seem to be because he went ahead through and went to the cross. But I think he was dealing with his humanity at that point. Lord, if it's possible, and he agonized, and he comes to this, Lord, not your will, but your, not my will, rather, but your will be done. What a freedom. What a free, that's to me was, that's where he settled. That's where he died. He died to himself. So this way to live, the way to live is to come to points in our life where we say, I'm, this is not mine. I have been crucified, Paul said. Paul also said, I die daily. What is he saying? I die to what the flesh wants to do. Right? Your flesh, our flesh always wants to be gratified in a fleshly way. But the Spirit of God living in you combats. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you begin to praise him, when you begin to pray and say, Lord, I need you, when you confess that, he's right there to come. And well up within your soul to help you. To resist the devil means to come to God and admit, I need you. Guess what? The sons of Sceva in the book of Acts, right? Thought they could kind of take on the devil on their own. And you know that story. They flood the house. They were ripped up one side and down the other. They, they ran out of the house without their clothes on. They were just beat up. Well, guess what? When you're a child of God and you know the name of Jesus in a personal way, the devil turns and runs. He flees. Resist the devil and he flees. What's that? He's a coward at the same time. A way to live. We walk with God. In this temporal life, we're known like and the first chapter of James, if you want to peek back there, verse uh, 9 on down. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. Let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off. Well, we say today, by now we ought to see some grass. Yep. But we know how this works. The sun rises with a scorching wind. I don't like scorching hot weather. What he's talking about here is this life will soon be passed. 
This life is temporal. This life is short in comparison to all eternity. And how I live now will make a difference in the kingdom to come. How I treat my neighbor, how I respect people, how I uh, have my attitude again. What am I living for? What is my purpose in this life? It is to bring glory and honor to Jesus' name. It is to help further his kingdom. It is to tell someone else who needs Jesus how they can find Jesus. It is to bring people into an understanding of Jesus that go and make disciples. This is lifetime work. This is not just one event. This is a lifetime work that you invest yourself in your family. You invest yourself in your people that you work with all the time. Whenever you, your ministry is where you live. Your ministry is where you work. Your ministry is when you go to the marketplace. Your ministry is wherever people are. It becomes a way of life. It becomes what, it, what we do. It's who we are inside. It's what the, our walk with Jesus. So secondly, the way not to live. A way, there's a way not to live. How many, how many know there's a way it shouldn't live? If you, don't, if you want to know how you should live, well, you look at the way. Well, this is how we, we don't want to live that way. So here's a peek of chapter 5, actually verse 11, chapter 4 of James. He says, don't speak against your, another. Don't put down one another. Don't put down your brother. Verse 11, he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if, you, if you're a judge of the law, you are not a doer of the law, but of a judge of it. And I love how he says this. There's only one lawgiver and one judge. In other words, God is judge. God will judge. Stop. I, I don't, that's not my job to judge people. Yes, we can make judgments. Sometimes we make decisions out of people's judgments and their behaviors. But listen, God knows every heart. To the T. And it's so freeing. He's the one who is able to save or destroy. Who are you who judge your neighbor? Come now. He's talking about business. He's talking about making a living or making an income. Come now. You who say today, tomorrow we shall go to a such and such a city and spend a year there, engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. It's not saying that you shouldn't go and make profit. It's not saying that you should never be, uh, get ahead. What he's saying is you don't know for sure what tomorrow holds. So at the same time you're making your living, at the same time you're making your investments, it's not 100% that it's going to always work out. So then what do you do? What he's saying is that you could be gone tomorrow. Have you prepared 
your heart to meet the king. That's what he's really getting to. Your life could be over. Vapor, vapor vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this, if the Lord wills. And what he's saying is put the Lord in your business. Put the Lord in, your, in the picture. If it is God is willing, if God helps us, then we can do it. God is for us. If God says yes, then we can move. You read the Old Testament, you read story after story, battle after battle after battle, especially when David, you know, was in, in, in the picture. And the Lord would, would, would David would call on the Lord, Lord, are we, are we going to win this battle? Are you going to bless us? Without you, we're not going to make it. And many, many battles were successful because God. It's just a way, to, a way not to live. It's just basically uh, do what you want to do and never consult the Lord, never pray, just to kind of, this, this is what the world says is good. This is what seems to make things work. And so we begin to drift begin to coast but the right thing is is to include God trust him and it leads us to the third point chapter 5 and I call this the way of of patience where's the fruit of the spirit a patient the word patient comes up through scripture several several places what why are why is the country why is the, why am I why are why is our culture in such a hurry? Have you ever noticed? How do you know you're in a hurry? Well, when you don't really want to spend much time behind a vehicle at a stoplight and you're getting antsy and you're thinking about turning somewhere and getting out of it, you've been there. You've been stuck. I know it's no fun. That's patience. I don't always pass the test. I'm sure. But I know I can do better. I say, Lord, it's in your hands. What do you do to the what do you say to the folks who are stranded at an airport right now that's because they're shut down in a snowstorm? What do you say? You curse the weather? Really? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. God is in control. Mm. How many of you have testified about something that happened or God spared you? You saw it later down the road. You could have been in an accident, perhaps. Isn't it something? Have you ever noticed that God never seems to be in a hurry in the Scripture? Oh, he can move quickly. Absolutely. He can move in an instant in a moment. But he's outside of time. He, he describes here in the first part of the chapter the way, the way we shouldn't live, and he's talking about business people. He's talking about people who have set their heart on riches, and he's saying to them, verse 2, your riches have rotted. Your garments have become moth-eaten. What did Jesus say? 
Don't lay up treasures on earth, moth and rust. Your gold and your silver have rusted. Their rust will be a witness against you. He's really talking to a people who have gone off track, who have set their heart on their riches. And not only they've set their heart on their riches, but they've cheated to get their riches. And this is the way they cheated. Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. That's a tough verse. That's a strong verse. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. The Lord of Sabbath means the Lord of hosts. In other words, God hears the cry to people who have been mistreated. And God recognizes and he's, he will judge. He's the judge. But here's the way to live. The way of the farmer, he gives example through, he, cho he chooses the farmer. Verse 7, be patient therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer, how many are from the farm? Good number, good percentage. You understand the hard work, the, the honest work. And at the same time, there's an element that the farmer recognizes without God's help, without the rain at the proper time without the right temperature. Things aren't going to happen. So the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient above it until it gets to early and latter rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He turns us right into what is going to happen, an event that the Scripture talks about. Some one day the Lord will ascend, will descend from heaven and call his church, his people. Capture, rapture them out of this place to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's an event that is yet to happen. It's going to happen. What is he saying? Let's, if you ever read Jude, you ever read Jude? It's just the last book before the Revelation. There were some real attitudes. There were some people there. I'm just going to take one or two verses because this is... Jude has basically one chapter. And he's talking about people who would deny God. He's talking about the grumblers, finding fault. Verse 16, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly mindedly devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, Build yourselves up on your, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is, this is flip-flop. We have the people that, that are living for self. They're living for the temporal things of this world. At the same time, we are people living in this world who recognize this is not home. And we're praying 
building ourselves up. You do know that every day you step out of your house, you enter your battleground. Maybe even before you get out of the house, every day you wake up, there's a new battle. We've got to pray. We've got to turn to Jesus. We've got to submit to God. You know what? I cannot, I cannot do very much. I can only go so far in my own strength. But listen, God is on, the only way we're going to go forward. God is the only, way, the only hope for our America. The only hope for our nation is that the churches of Jesus Christ will get touched, will get hungry, and begin to seek God in a way we ought to seek him and begin to repent, meaning we turn from our sin and we walk in what, what is right. We call truth true. We call sin, sin. We name it as it is. And we just walk and we love people around. We're not better than them in our own self. It is because of the grace, the greater grace that he gives to us. We may need more grace now than ever, ever in the history of our nation because of the things that are coming at us. We need the grace of God and how to love people in spite of what they say they are or what they do. It is the grace of God that we can stand and live and have our being. The grace of God that saves you, the grace that continues to flow. Oh, may the grace of God help us to have, have patience. I asked my wife to print out something. You've all probably read this and probably have it in maybe a poster or picture in your house. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You see, there are some things we cannot change but God. I cannot change but God. God can change the heart. And we are so blessed to know him today. Will you just stand a moment? We're going to sing Anna's coming. Uh, we're going to pray a little bit. Was there, are there some things on your heart? You say, Lord, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm against a wall. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. But, Lord, you do. I know that you know all things. I know that you are on the throne today. I know in spite of how I feel, in spite of how I feel uh, sometimes so limited, it's so impossible, that yet you, you know all things. The Lord, we are going to commit. We're going to surrender to you, Jesus. That you will make a way where there seems to be no way, Lord. You will open hearts, Lord, that have been so hard and make a way, Jesus.